The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. I love mixing it up by betting against the spread, taking the over on Giannis's points every chance I get, and more exclusive bets like the two by three, two threes scored in the first three minutes. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine bets like those for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash blue wire. That's fanduel.com slash blue wire to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Virginia when people, you know, like romanticize the idea of like being an entrepreneur, it's, I love it. It's beautiful, but it's not so easy. It, it does take so much effort. What's up and welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast, you guys. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I don't even... I'm at like a loss for words because, you know, I've had so many inspiring episodes, but today's conversation, I have Adina Mizrahi on the podcast. And when I tell you, I'm just so blown away by her. Like I am blown away. Just like the amount of gumption this girl has, this woman has, the level of like, don't give up on yourself. You know, she's... So she created you know, an incredibly successful jewelry line, uh, in a space at the time, uh, was not super saturated. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of successful entrepreneurs out there and a lot of those successful entrepreneurs had, you know, a giant backing, you know, cash flow to begin the business with, or, you know, kind of knew what they were doing or had someone in the family who, you know, had a background in that space or, you know, all of these things, X, Y, or Z, whatever, you know, and Adina's story is, we're going to get into it in the episode, but she didn't have any of that. She had none of that. She just had a vision that she wanted to start making jewelry. And she didn't know where that would lead or where it would take her or what it would mean uh, or if it would be successful or not. And she started in her parents' basement and it is what it is today. So this is her story on how she got to where she is today. And I am so excited to share it with you. Here we go. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast, you guys. I am Victoria Brown, and today I have Adina Mizrahi on the pod. She is the president and founder of Adina Eden, which is a an amazing jewelry company that I personally have been a shopper at for many, many years now. So I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. 
Yes. So it's, it's so crazy because my, and I think I told you this, um, when we met in person, but, uh, my friend Irene and I have been longtime fans of your jewelry to like, we, we set each like an alarm and send each other a text every year for your black Friday sale to make sure that we go on and like buy our jewels for the year. So I have really, truly have been a longtime fan of your, of your jewelry. It's crazy. It's such a small world. Yeah. So, I mean, I have so many questions. Um, as I understand it, you kind of created this entire brand um, on your own, which is a huge, huge feat. So I want to know, there's so many questions I have, but I want to know, you know, were you always interested in jewelry? Do you have a background or family um, that's interested in jewelry and kind of how you started the business on your own and what led you to do so? So, you know, I like no one in my family ever did jewelry. It's not like we're jewelers or anything like that. Like I don't have a grandfather who was in jewelry or anything like that. Um, my parents are very simple business people. Um, they immigrated to here from the Middle East. Um, and basically, I just always loved jewelry. To me, it was a very, uh, it was the perfect accessory, I feel like. And I felt like no matter what I was putting on, um, jewelry just kind of made me feel so much better and more confident in myself. And I just felt like when I wore jewelry, I could literally do anything that it was that I set my mind to. Um, and so I kind of always had that like soft, sweet, sweet spot towards jewelry. Um, and I always liked to fix things by hand whenever I would buy like a necklace or something and it would break, I would fix it on my own. So I was very good with, you know, like dealing with small, small pieces of jewelry. Um, and so when I was in college, my father told me that I would have to, you know, figure out a way to pay my way through. Um, sorry, by the way, I'm in the city. So there's just a lot of honking, but, um, basic in New York. So, um, but basically my father told me I had to pay my way through school and I figured what better side hustle to take on, like, you know, than something that I just really am passionate about. And so I kind of just started really, really small. I, all I had was like a hundred dollars that I had just gotten from babysitting money. Um, I didn't even have a bank account or anything. I said, you know what, let me just go to 47th street. Let me buy some, you know, some, some, some beads, some pearls, some, some pieces and tools that I'm going to need. Um, and just see how I can make some jewelry. And so I literally went to the diamond district, um, went all over, bought whatever I needed. I watched a ton of YouTube videos um, to kind of learn how to start a necklace, how to close a necklace, make sure that it wouldn't get damaged and all of that. And before I knew it, I was creating my own pieces. And so I was, I had measuring tools and literally everything that I needed to make the perfect necklace. Um, and I started off really small and before I knew it, like everyone was asking me like, oh, I love this necklace. Can you make this for me? Um, you should post about this. This is so cool. This could be like a whole business idea. And then I started an Instagram, um, called Adina's Jewels. So that's what we're formerly known as. And, um, before I knew it, the pictures were just like getting on the explore page or um, just getting a lot of likes. And I started gaining followers. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to the next. I went from being just like a small at home, you know, making pieces by myself into this massive company that went full e-commerce um, and just kind of capitalized on the influencer marketing and everything social media. And before I knew it, we grew this massive, massive following and community of diehard fans, just like yourself and your friends. Um, 
And it's been a crazy, crazy ride. Um, there's nothing that makes me happier that, you know, this is still a family business. It's still run by me and my brother. Um, so it's very, very close. It hits very close to home. A lot of our team is family as well. So cousins and siblings. And so it's really amazing. And um, it's just crazy how it just all happened. My jaw is on the ground. <laughs> you started this with $100? Yes. I am completely, utterly blown away. Blown away. That is absolutely incredible. Like it was just, it was like, sometimes I think back and I'm just like, I don't know how that was even possible. I don't even know how I did that. But, you know, it's just like one thing led to the next. And like, I had so much of this like young energy and I had so much passion, um, which I still do. But, you know, like I had so much energy. Sometimes I think back and I'm like, I don't even know where I got the energy to like stay up till three in the morning every single night for three years straight, making pieces by hand, then traveling to get factories and do trade shows. And it was just, it's so crazy when I think back to it. It's just like, I don't know how I did it. It was just, it was crazy. And like, I was a one man show. It was just, um, I guess it was just meant to be, you know? Absolutely. So my question, I guess, from from early days is, you know, I think the biggest thing for a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs who are starting out is, you know, you can't be good at everything, right? And so when you started looking at YouTube videos on how to do the clasps and all these kinds of things, uh, you know, how did you not get overwhelmed and then think like, this dream is way too big, I should just quit? Like, I'm, you know, how did you kind of just keep going and keep persevering? Or did you have the major big dream that you wanted it to be what it is today? Did you have that vision? Or did you just think, I like doing this, let's see where it goes? So truthfully, I didn't have the vision. I didn't think that it was going to be anything more than just like a small little community based company, where like I had, you know, friends and family and just people from my community or people like within my area, like buying for me. Um, so it was very crazy when things just started to take off on Instagram. But the more that I got sucked into the social media scene, um, the more I saw the potential that I had. And when people were telling me like, these are really beautiful pieces, high quality, excellent price. I felt like I had something that no one else did. When I was young, it was very hard for me to find jewelry that I could purchase because it was either getting Claire's that was like $9.99 turning your hands blue or it was like going to Tiffany's and then just shelling out real money, which my parents didn't have. Living paycheck to paycheck, they really couldn't afford to buy us, you know, crazy lavish gifts. And so I felt like there's a very big niche that just hasn't been tapped into of like that middle, that middle America person who's not looking to spend hundreds of dollars, but who could spend the $50, $60 on a necklace um, and and wear it where it's going to last them a season or two or, or even longer if they treat the jewelry right. And I felt like that was something that I wanted to tap into. It was something that I wanted to give to other girls who are just like me. Um, to kind of, you know, have that opportunity to feel like I can buy jewelry, I can wear jewelry. It's not an accessory that's only for the wealthy. And and that was kind of where things started to take off when I was like sharing my story and, you know, being more the face of the brand and kind of building this, the, these relationships with so many influencers and bloggers and celebrities that were just starting out with me. And like we grew together. I think it was just, it always just like, 
you know, taking the right opportunities and going for them. Like I never said no to anything. So if any stylist or agent or anyone reached out like, Hey, can I pull jewelry? I was like, yes, no problem. Not an issue. Like I'll give it to you. Don't even worry about returning it. Just like get me press, get me content. That's all I care about. And I didn't realize at the time how strong that was going to be in the long run. And, and really just how far, you know, how far one celebrity wearing your a piece of your jewelry on the red carpet can go. And wow. it was just, it was just crazy how it unfolded. Um, and it, it was just, I mean, it's, it's so crazy when I think about it, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it really is cool. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Just putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, there's so many, I just know that there's so many young entrepreneurs out there. You know, it's a very, the jewelry business, while yes, there, you know, when you started out, there weren't that many people maybe in the mid tier section of jewelry, mm-hmm. but right now you, I mean, and probably as you were growing, they were popping up like crazy. There's hundreds of, absolutely of these companies out here, you know, selling, selling jewelry, you know, so what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are wanting to start a business um, in, in a crowded space? So, yeah, so I think definitely every space nowadays, and I really have to say nowadays, every single space is very, very saturated. And I say that because, you know, we just had a pandemic. Many people opened up small businesses from their homes, whether it be on Etsy or on, you know, making their own website on Shopify or eBay or really any platform. I've seen so many businesses just open up you know, sell crazy amounts during COVID when everyone was home. And then now they're just struggling to keep up because running a real business is so, so much harder than just getting a couple of sales and shipping them out. And so one thing I always tell people, especially when they're just starting out, and I think this is really what made me the most successful. I did not know anything about business. I only knew what my parents would say when they come home. I heard about certain deals or how they, you know, you know, worked on certain projects, but I didn't really know, you know, so much about business. I didn't even take business classes in college until the company started to grow so much to the point where I was like, I think this can actually help me. Let me, you know, take some business classes and see where it gets me. But I didn't know what a business plan was, what a mission statement was, what a five-year plan was. Like, I did not know any of that. I didn't have to, you know, speak to investors. Again, this was an internal, you know, family business. I was just, it was me and my brother bouncing ideas off of each other. We were super young. We had nothing to lose. We were living in our parents' home. So we're, we're conservative Jews. We live at home with our parents until we get married. So we had no mm-hmm. expense, didn't have to pay rent, don't have to pay for food. I'm only paying for when I'm going out with friends. Like that's all, that's like the only time I actually have to take money out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, why not do this? Like we, we can literally build something from now and we can retire when we're 30. You know, we saw our parents running their entire life for somebody else literally for someone else to take that money home. So we said to her, like, I always said, like, I don't want that. I want to be able to sign my own check. I want to be able to give myself a salary that I want and not have to answer to anybody. And even though for the first three years, my brother and I did not take a dollar out of the business. We didn't take a paycheck. We didn't take a bonus. We took absolutely nothing until our accountant told us like, Hey guys, like as president and vice president, you have to actually take a salary now that you're showing profits. And we're like, okay, we'll do that. But until then, we did not take a dollar. We didn't hire a person. It was me, my brother. We were doing the customer service, the Instagram, the posting. I mean, you name it, we were doing it. We were doing the job of 30 people. 
no joke, staying up till two, three in the morning, still going to school at the same time, like school full time, work full time. It was absolutely like so chaotic. I had no life. Like my only thing was school and this business. And I think that that's what helped get us so far because we weren't paying a salary to anybody. We had no payroll to deal with. We had practically no overhead. We were selling jewelry out of my parents' basement. So the only thing that really cost us the money was the cost of goods. And so that kind of helped, helped us tremendously with having practically no overhead, you know, getting this money, reinvesting it back into the business, getting more money, reinvesting, getting more reinvesting that helped us so, so much in the beginning stages, especially. I feel like nowadays people go, they open up a company, they rent out an office space, they get a beautiful desk, they shell out money on a beautiful computer, they get other desks, they hire a couple of people and they say, okay, now we wait for the orders to roll in. Mm -hmm. We did things the opposite way. We let the orders roll in. And then we said, okay, now we can go get an office space. Now we could get a fancy computer. Now we can hire a team. Like when we physically could not do it any longer, like it was impossible, the amount of orders coming in to the amount of orders that we were able to get out in a given day. That was when we said, okay, one, we need more space. We're, we're, we're making mistakes on orders because we don't have enough space for our product. Right. We don't have enough space for our packaging. That was when we said, okay, let's go get an office space. We rented out a 2,000 square foot space. We probably didn't even need more than 1,000 square feet. In a matter of six months, we grew out into that entire space, then got another 2,000 square foot space in the same building, grew out of that in one year. And then now we're talking three floors. Each floor is 2,000 square feet. Each floor is a different division. It's just so crazy. But some people do that from the beginning. Other people do that later on. We didn't do that, you know, three, four years into the business where we were actually bringing home a prop like money. We were, we were profiting. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta say, I like, I like your method. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, and so many times I used to get so flustered when people would ask me like, Oh, but what's your business plan? And what's this? And I'm just like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. All I can tell you is it's like, this is how much I'm making. This is what, I, what, what I'm spending. And like, that's all I really have to show for myself. Like that's my books, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that's what kind of like that naiveness, that innocence, is what made us so much more successful because we came into this saying like, let's just make a living. Let's just make a living. Let's, let's, let's make our parents proud. They sacrificed so much to come to this country. They're still working every single day. I mean, let's do something for them. And this was our way of giving back. And I just think that because it was so unexpected, it just blew up in the way that it did. And don't get me wrong, like we did not have an overnight success story. Like every overnight success story has five to 10 years of underground work that has to be put in and done to get there. But right. when when that snowball effect, when that actually started happening, it was so exhilarating. And it was like, now we can really do this. We can really convert this into something so much bigger. I remember one day my brother looked at me and he's like, Adina, you think making a thousand dollars a day on our website is a lot. There's going to be a day where, where we will be making 10,000 and in a day we're going to make a hundred thousand. And I was just like, I don't think it's possible. And he's like, you watch and see, cause that's wow. what, that's what e-commerce is. That's what Instagram and, and then obviously eventually TikTok, Facebook, that's what social media is. You can reach the world. And it was, it's just, that's exactly how it happened. Unfreaking believable. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I want to hear some of the kind of early stories of, 
you know, the roadblocks that you, that you hit? Was there a time where, you know, you thought maybe it's not going to work out or, you know, maybe you could tell us about, you know, what it was like in terms of like, you had no idea when you had to make it the move, the transition from out of your parents' basement, because luckily, I mean, it's jewelry, so it doesn't take up a lot of space to store, but eventually you got to, you have to get a warehouse and then you had to relinquish the power of doing shipping and have someone else do the shipping or, you know, yes. So how did you kind of make that transition? Because, you know, you got to get on online. I, I ask these questions also per, from a personal note, because I'm, I'm, and every, all my podcast listeners know that all I do is talk about this, but, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to market my first physical product, which is I'm trying to create a journal that I love and I could tell you all about it till I'm blue in the face, but um, <laughs> creating the physical product is so incredibly challenging. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to do it here in my house. And then I'm like, at what? And then where do I, you know what I mean? How do you figure these things out is what I'm getting at. And what were your dark days like? So, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, it's super, super hard. And I think when people, you know, like romanticize the idea of like being an entrepreneur, it's, I love it. It's beautiful, but it's not so easy. It, it does take so much effort. It's so much contact and going back and forth. You know, like I've gotten screwed by many factories. I've already paid, mm. no jewelry came in. Like we were young. For us, that was the biggest thing. People were, I mean, I was 18. I was 18, 19. My brother's two years younger than me. So he was 17 and wow. I'm 19. People are looking at us like, these are two kids. They're making money. They don't know anything better. We right. could just take them. We could take them for a ride and, and, and take advantage of them. And there were many people who did that, who now wish, wish, wish to work with us. But the people who were honest and loyal and stuck by us, in the beginning, they now are our biggest factories. We, we've made them very, very wealthy. We've mm -hmm. helped support their entire business and their families. They're also all mom and pops. And it was just, that. yeah. And like, we, we wanted to give back where it mattered, you know, when it comes to actually, um, roadblocks that we dealt with. Yes. Our age was a very big one. People did not respect us. Mm -hmm. Um, if we were a day late on shipping an order, people were like, oh, this is a scam company and we couldn't control the reviews coming in, which was very difficult because if you order from any website, obviously there's like a processing time and we had all of that written out. And like, we learned the hard way, like have a fact sheet, have this, have that, like we have to explain everything. People are not just going to assume it on their own. So all of that, you know, that inexperience, um, did kind of put up some, you know, roadblocks and challenges for us. But ultimately, when we whenever we felt like we can't do this, I think that was when we kind of felt like, like you said, another step forward, just one more, right. just one more, and we'll get there. And, um, you know, there were many times, you know, failed collections or failed drops. And then and we learned from that. So we we kind of said, like, let's go ahead and make all these mistakes. Let's learn from them. So we know our business. So we know our customer and we know what they want. So our customer doesn't want to drop. They want to go on your website at any given day, at any given time, and your product is going to be in stock. So that's what we yeah. did. After we made a couple of drops that did not work, we said, okay, we're not going to focus on drops. We're just going to have stuff all the time on our site. We're going to make sure customers can log on. They can see everything. They can check out easily. Um, we were listening to every single thing people were telling us, the feedback, all of it. Then when we felt like we need to move out of the basin and, and get an actual office space, for us, that was the hardest pivot the mm -hmm. absolute hardest. Um, my mom at that point was like, you guys have to get out of my house. Right. You are taking over the kitchen. You're taking over the dining room. You're taking over every little, like every crease. You're, you're just right. everywhere. Your jewelry is everywhere. 
we were like, okay, we're going to get an office space. Um, then rent comes into question. You know, you're paying three weeks, three months up front plus security plus this plus that. Like you're like, okay, this is actually a lot of money. Right. Of course. We both didn't have, we both didn't have credit scores. So we're just starting out in this country. We don't know. Like, I mean, you know, like who has a credit card when they're 10? So obviously we don't have a credit score. We had to, you know, pay everything on a, on a debit card. So the minute you swipe, the minute it's out of the bank, we were in negative all day long waiting for Shopify payments to come in to go back to positive or at least back to like zero or just, it was so crazy. So for us, it was a very big, very, very big move. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we consulted the right people and they said, listen, when you feel it's time to pivot, you must pivot. If not, you're going to stay in that basement forever. And do you want to stay in that basement forever? I was like, listen, I told my brother, Mar, I'm like, Mar, I don't know about you, but I cannot sit here another day. I need to actually go somewhere, work. I need to like, I can't work in my pajamas anymore. I'm just coming down. I'm waking up. I'm coming straight down here. Like this is, it's toxic. And we said, you know what? Let's do it. We both put our personal names on the rent, um, on everything really there. If, if anything happens, they're coming after me personally. Mm-hmm. And it was so insane. People were like, listen, if, if even the owners of the building, they're like, listen, we're going to take a bet on you, but you know, you have to pay the rent every single month upfront. And we're like, no problem. You know, we started off, we were paying our rent six months in advance, a full wow. six months in advance. Like That's so much money. There are, yeah, there, there are so many people who can't say that they do that, but we were able to do that. And, and we did it so that they could see like, we are legit. We're successful. We're working every single day. I mean, my brother and I used to close the office at two in the morning. We Jeez. used to go home at two in the morning, especially during this time, holiday season and Q4. We were closing up at, at 1, 2 a.m. I mean, we had no life. This was everything for us. It was the first time in our lives we felt like we had a little bit of money. Yeah. We felt like we had that, you know, um, financial security. And we felt like we're doing something. We felt we're no longer the immigrants' kids who 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 people disrespected and stepped all over, um, you know, and made fun of for having an accent. We we finally made something out of ourselves. And it was just like we we had this desire, this passion to prove to the world who we are and that we could do it. I think that at the end, I think sometimes that's what actually drove us to get mm-hmm. here. Like that, that just that that passion inside of us. And like we just we had to do it for ourselves, you know? Incredible. Incredible. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Um, so I'm actually a big fan of butterflies. And when I was uh in your store, um, I bought one of the the butterfly stud when I was mm-hmm. there. Um, and so that's kind of your mascot logo brand around the butterflies. So I'd love for you to kind of share why you chose that. So, you know, I think everyone knows how a butterfly starts off as a worm um, and then, you know, metamorphosizes into something so incredibly beautiful. And for me personally, um, I was when I was in school, I was always, you know, left out. I was overweight. I was bullied. Um, I was made to basically feel lesser than everyone. Um, And I, I you know, went through school with very few friends. Um, I had a lot of, you know, I faced a lot of challenges and, 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 you know, difficulties in school. And I felt like, um, just as my life as a whole, I went from being this, you know, um, extremely obese girl who had no friends, who was depressed, who locked herself up in her room, um, into this 
beautiful young woman who's successful, who's happy, who's married, who has friends, who has a good social life, um, and who has finally, you know, um, managed to balance everything out in her life. And um, I'm healthy. I feel good about myself. And I just felt like whenever I was asked, like, what, what, what animal or what, you know, what do I really connect with? And I always said, it's the butterfly, because I, I went through that same metamorphosis. And when everyone stepped on me and thought that I wasn't going to be anyone, I proved them wrong. And today, when I walk into any room, people know how successful I am. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you took something from this episode. I hope that you feel inspired to go after whatever thing you want to do um, and really just not give up on yourself. And that, you know, it's like, we always think that everybody on the outside has everything figured out that they knew somebody who knew somebody who knew something about it, who taught them how to do the thing and, you know, find the success, et cetera. But, you know, in her story, I think it's just this beautiful reminder to all of us that you can start something in your basement. You can start something with a hundred dollars to your name. You can start something when you don't know how to build a business at all. And you do so by, you know, Googling things on the internet and watching YouTube videos and really bootstrapping it. It's like, it just brings us to this place of like understanding where it's like success is found on our own terms. And, you know, it's just boils down. It just boils down to the same thing. I feel like so often, which is, are you willing to believe in yourself? Are you willing to believe in yourself? And if the answer to that question is yes, then you owe it to yourself to go all in and just try to make things happen and not let your own excuses and your own self-doubt stand in your way. Because, you know, a woman with zero background on how to make jewelry and zero background on business and no cash flow to start a business created something massive. So it just makes me feel like any one of us can do the same thing. So I hope that's your dose of daily inspiration today. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Thank you for tuning into the Very Best Self podcast. I appreciate you. Um, follow Adina Eden on Instagram. Follow me at Victoria Brown at Very Best Self, the podcast handle. Make sure you are subscribed. That really helps us a lot. And uh, leave us a review and five stars if you get a chance. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I will see you next week.